Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Destiny. And I want to start by reading a text, Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 5. Turn your Bibles wherever you are. Listen, it's a different experience when you open your Bibles yourself, you know, to see what the Word of God says. So, Jeremiah chapter 1 from verse 5. God speaking to Jeremiah, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He says, Before... You were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Jeremiah speaking, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. But the Lord said unto me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, the theme of this service is just and it is brave. Brave. What does brave mean? Brave means to show mental or moral strength to face fear, difficulty, or danger. To show mental or moral strength to face danger, fear, or difficulty. All right? And the fact that I want to start with is this. You see, the fact that something is ordained does not make it automatic. The fact that it is ordained does not mean it will fall on your laps. It doesn't even mean it will happen. And you see, this story tells us, uh, gives, gives us that example. God said to Jeremiah, he said, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations before you were born. But what was his response? He says, I cannot speak. I am a youth. You see, this is the dilemma and the dichotomy of many people, all right? You have a strong sense of a divine call. But you see, the motivation or just the modus operandi as it pertains to the manifestation of that call, you just don't know how to go about it. And this is exactly what's happening here. Jeremiah knew on one hand what God had ordained for him to do. But you see, the strength, the zeal, you know, the mental fortitude to carry out that task, that calling was lacking. And we have to talk about that. Like I said, the theme of this service is brave. Because the fact that you know God's plan for your life does not mean you can do it. You see, knowing God's plan is not enough. You must receive it and be ready to take his words to the bank. If you cannot bank on it, you will not fulfill it. If you cannot bank on it, you will not fulfill it. And as it pertains to hearing God's voice, a lot of people are just obsessed with the idea of hearing God's voice and receiving a supernatural leading. But the real question is, when you receive that leading, what next? You've received the leading, so what? What are you going to do about it? Because this story that you just read proves that the fact that you received an authentic call does not exonerate you from fear. The call in itself will not take away the fear. So like Jeremiah, you can know for sure that not only are you a prophet to the nations, but that you were chosen to be a prophet before you were born and still be afraid. Just imagine the contradiction. A prophet to the nations who is afraid. A prophet to the nations who considers himself too small. I mean, it's literally your destiny to speak to kings, to speak to men high and low and declare the word of God to them, reproving and correcting them. But guess what? You are too timid, too shy to talk. And so this is a conversation that must be had. 
this dilemma, this thing that hinders you. On one hand, you, you have a strong sense of a call. But to execute it is difficult. Like I said, what are you going to do about it? It turns out many times it's not a destiny problem. Neither is it a problem of discernment of destiny. You can have a great assignment in life and know that you have a great assignment in life. What we are dealing with is a case of self-sabotage whereby your own disqualification, your own disqualification, you, search, you, you just change yourself and you feel like you're not ready. You can't do what God has said you can do. And I'm here to tell you, when it all comes down to it, no matter what you are destined to do, without bravery, it will not be done. No matter what you are destined to do, without bravery, it will not be done. I don't care how many angels you saw in a vision. I don't care how many supernatural encounters you had. I don't care how many pastors stopped you on the road as you were going to work and told you that, you know, the future is bright ahead of you. I don't care how many dreams you had, how many programs you attended and someone gave a word of knowledge. Without bravery, you would do very little for God. If you run through the Bible and see everyone that did great for God, one thing was consistent in the fabric of their making, and that was bravery. Without bravery, you cannot do much for God. And I want you to understand this, that the assignment in itself will not take away the fear. Handling fear is another school of its own. You must understand this. You must understand this. The Bible is replete with examples about this. That you, listen, you can be a priest who sees an angel in front of you telling you that your prayers have been answered. I, you know, and you know what your response will be like, Zechariah? You still ask, how can these things be? What do you mean? I, the angel was surprised. He said, what do you mean, how can these things be? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. What, what do you mean, how can these things be? Because you see, if your mind is small, God will have to shut your mouth like he did Zechariah to do a miracle in your life. Because many people are standing in the way of God's plan for their own lives. You think too small. It is not destiny. You think too small. Some people even think the problem is capital. It's money. It's not money. The problem is first in your mind. You think too small. Or it's a hard problem. Your heart is too faint. And God has to persuade you. Alright? And what I'm doing with the word of God is something that God did many times. God always took, I mean, he, the people that he wanted to walk with through a school of bravery. Where he tells Abraham, takes him in the cool of the night. And he says, look at the stars. Count them. Listen, he was programming his mind. Don't think small. Look at how many the stars are. That's how many children you're going to have. Start thinking. What next did he do? God changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. So that every morning, every time he has to write his name, every time someone asks what his name is, he had to remind himself that he's destined to be a father of many nations. So you see, apart from a genuine call, there is a mental programming that aligns you with the destiny of God for your life. That's something you must understand. So I know that you have seen a vision but are you mentally prepared? Have you gone through the school of bravery where, you know, Jesus or God, you know, set up a burning bush experience, experience, burning bush encounter, all right? And he's schooling you. And he tells you, Moses, that he has destined for you to be the deliverer of, of Israel. And then in that encounter, He's hearing all your rebuttals, all your excuses, and he's answering them. You know, like, you know, Moses also said, oh, I, I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. Don't say that. 
So God, and that's what God is doing with this sermon, all right? He's eliminating and eradicating all your doubts and strengthening you, preparing you for the palace, preparing you to face Pharaoh. Do you know what it means, shepherd boy, to step in Pharaoh's presence? Listen, this is someone who was worshipped as a god in Egypt. Pharaoh was a title, a deity. All right, you can imagine what his palace looked like. Everything was set up to intimidate the mind. And God also prepares his people. The burning bush has prepared your mind. You have a picture. I've seen God. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. So there has to be a mental fortitude. Otherwise, no matter how grandiose your experience was, it still won't happen. Do you think that it is everyone who had a genuine call to ministry, for instance, that is doing ministry today? It doesn't work that way. There are many people with legitimate assignments that are not doing anything. Listen, what I am teaching right now, you so desperately need. So desperately. If you don't master what I'm teaching, it is either you don't fulfill God's plan or you never live up to the true potential. All right? Listen, Paul tells us in, in the word of God that there is a mark. There is an expectation. It says, I press on. So there is a curriculum mentality. All right? A supernatural assessment. At the end of everything, he said, I have finished my race. I have finished the course. So that there is, there is a curriculum mindset so that you are not, uh, all right, a champion in your village and think that you are doing what God ought, has destined for you to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, I press on. I don't count myself to have accomplished. One thing I do, forgetting the things that are past, pressing on for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God, you have to understand you will not be rewarded based on the expectations of your friends. But your marking scheme is God's own expectation. It's not by what people are doing around you, what people are doing in your village, what people are doing in your family. It is God's own marking scheme for your life. So I press on for the mark of the prize of the high calling, not of society, not of peer pressure, not even of my parents, but of God. Of God. So listen, that expectation becomes an inner compass guiding you so that when people are clapping for you because you have only, got, you know, because they think you are doing great, you realize by supernatural discernment you are only one hundredth of God's plan for your life. So you appreciate them and you move on. And listen, the real things that God has for you. Let me tell you, in case no one has told you, they will freak you out. They will scare you. You will lose your sleep. Listen, it is very sweet to read stories of great people and to read and say, uh, you know, David killed a lion and a bear. You know, it's very sweet. <laughs> but can you picture what it means to have a head-to-head -head with a lion? Do you know what it means? It's not a joke. Do you know what it means to have a head-to-head -head with a bear? It's not a joke. And I'm letting you know that you're going to have a lion and a bear experience. Circumstances that, naturally speaking, people will look at it and think this is the end of your life, but it's only a road to God's plan, God's high call for your life. Listen, if you will fulfill God's plan for your life, because it's a divine plan, you will go through things that ordinary men cannot go through. Ordinary men cannot go through. And it's a preparatory experience. There is a difference between the diet and the workout routine of an Olymp Olympic athlete and someone who is just working out so that he can be fit for his nine to five job. There is a total difference. So there is, there is a kind of training that God is going to subject you to. And if you don't go through that training, 
guess what? When that glorious destiny that you saw in the vision, saw in the dreams, heard about through many prophetic confirmations, when the time comes, it will meet you unprepared and you will miss out of it. Yes, it was for you. Yes, it was God's plan. God even ordained it before you were born, but you will still miss it. So, think about what I just said. Think about what I just said. Think about the disparity between what God said and what Jeremiah said. He says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Ordained you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah says, ah, I'm a child. So God says, you are a prophet. Jeremiah says, I'm a child. Are you seeing the problem here? When God looks at him, he sees a prophet to the nations. When he looks at himself, he sees a child. Who is too young to confront anybody, confront everything. And God is saying you are a prophet to the nations to root out, to pull down, to tear down, and to build and to plant. But he says, I'm a youth. In my society, young people don't talk when adults are talking. What am I to confront? People my age can't confront it. Don't you understand? When David was asking about Goliath, what will be given to the person that wins? His elder brothers were angry. What do you mean? You should be out there at home watching the sheep. You have to understand, all right? I'm talking about a mental fortitude that will close your ears to people who constantly remind you that you are too young or that you are from a poor background or that you, are, you don't deserve what you are trying to achieve, what God has said you can achieve. They will come. They will come. Maybe Sambalat and Tobias, as you are planting and building the wall that God has asked you to build, they will try to get you down. They will try to distract you. It might be a thrall on, on social media. Don't let it get to you. It's part of it. The most important thing is first and foremost, you receive who God says you are, what he has said about you, and you're willing to war with it. It's so important. So like I said, the fact that God said it does not mean you will not be afraid. The fact that you are destined to do it does not mean you will not be afraid. You will face your fears the way everyone faces fears. And the sooner you do it, the better. And so this is what God told Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17. I wish I could read the full thing. Look at verse 17. <laughs> so Jeremiah says, I'm a child. He says, don't say you're a child. And he began to program his mind, show him visions. He said, what do you see? Jeremiah said, I see uh, a pot, a boiling pot. He said, you've seen well. What do you see? I see this. You've seen well. And in verse 17, he says, therefore, prepare yourself and arise. Oh, glory to God. Prepare yourself. The fact that you were born to do it does not mean you won't need to prepare. The fact that before you were born, before you were formed in the womb, I ordained for you to do it, does not mean you won't need to arise. There has to be some preparation on your part, some participation on your part. He says, prepare yourself. Arise and speak to them. He says, speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces. Oh, glory to God. This is a school of bravery. This is a school of bravery. So God is telling him, you were born to do this. Don't be dismayed. When you step into the room, don't be intimidated. Oh, listen, listen, listen. Some of you, you are all, your, your head is always bowed. Your hands are always hanging low. Your shoulder is always down. Your voice is always down. Why? Listen, there is a call on your life. You're about to throw it away with your fear. He said, rise up. He said, prepare. Listen, listen, listen. 
it is part of my duties as your pastor to prepare you for God's plan for, for your life. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, rise up! Prepare! Time is passing on you. Rise up in the name of Jesus. Get to work. He said, don't be dismayed by their faces. When you step into the room, remember who God says you are. And that's why you must keep the images of God. Some of us, the images that we retain are the trolls on social media. The things that people have said. The relatives have said we will not amount to anything. That's what we remember. But God sets up a burning bush experience. God sets up an experience where Abraham can count the stars. God tells Jeremiah, what do you see? So that all his own images can replace and, you know, replant, be re implanted in your mind. As against all the naysayers, all the wrong images, the social construct that tells you, you know, no one at this age has ever done this. Prepare yourself. Arise. It's time. Arise. How do you know this sermon is for you? This sermon is for you if you cannot even tell people what you really want to say. Have you seen people like that? Just too afraid to speak up for themselves. Too afraid. Too afraid. I mean, someone is literally cheating them and they can't talk. Or someone is about to cajole them into something that they are not interested in and they can't talk. Do you know some people, they go to a restaurant and then they see the bill. <laughs> the bill is 5000 And because they are ashamed... To tell the people that they cannot afford it, they buy what they didn't bargain for. Listen, fear, as simple as that example is, it's just a reflection of the decisions of your life. It's just a reflection. Why can't you tell the waiters that you can't afford it? What's there? That you can't afford it now, does that mean... You can't afford it tomorrow. Guess what? There are many people who even have the money normally. But maybe based on investment and or, or just current priorities, they can't afford it. The irony is rich people don't mind telling people what they cannot afford. The only reason you are too in intimidated is because you have an image of yourself. And that image must change. You have to be bold to say no. You have to be bold to say, I'm not ready for this. You know, this is not a priority now. In fact, do you know there's a difference between what you have money for and what you can afford? For God's sake, if your salary is 20000 you can't afford a 20000 perfume. You have to understand it. There's a difference. Never apologize for having priorities. The fact that it's not a priority now does not mean you don't have the money for it. And for God's sake, if you don't have the money for it, so what? Say it with your chest. And I'm saying this respectfully. Many of the waiters you are afraid to tell you don't have money for the food can't buy the food also. And that also is not a problem. If you are working in a restaurant, you can't afford the food of the restaurant. Get some money, buy your food somewhere and work. We have to have a culture, all right, that respects the dignity of labor. If this is what you can afford at this stage, let the whole world respect it. And if the world do not respect it, make them. Many young people cannot confidently and eloquently, but respectfully, tell their parents what they, can, what they want to do with their life. And I'm not teaching you to be rebellious, but I'm letting you understand, first and foremost, if your parents have done everything for you, you still live in their house, you still do everything, and, and listen, there are exceptions to this rule, but, but if they decided everything for you, then now it's time to marry and you want to finally decide on your own. Why wouldn't they decide for you? 
it's high time you started giving them a glimpse of the sense of direction in your life. Listen, the Bible tells us at age 12, Jesus already wanted his parents to know that, I mean, you should expect that I'll be of the father's business. Why were you looking for me? You checked everywhere except the temple. Why? You should have checked the temple first. This is the priority of my life. That's a child with direction. That's a child with direction. That as a teenager, you can already begin to give your parents a fair idea. So that when it is time, they're not going to be shocked. Start from the little things. When you start earning, you, and you must earn some money for yourself. I wish I had enough time to talk about that. And when you start, start earning money, start doing some things in the house. Don't wait for them to repair the light bulb in your room for Christ's sake. You don't re the light bulb in your room is bad. They repaired it and you want to tell them who you want to marry. And you are surprised they know who I allow you. <laughs> what do you think? Why are you surprised? Buy some of the food stuff in the house. Start showing them that you have a sense of direction. Once in a while, bring it up spontaneously in conversations. What you want to do with your life. Be very clear. In all forms of relationships, business relationships, be clear. Romantic relationships, be clear. It's okay to say no. And if you find yourself, you know, too shy to say how you feel, it is even better you text or send a mail. Always be clear. Always make sure, all right, that people understand what you're going. It's, it's the, as simple as what I'm saying is, it will save your life. It will save your life. Some people don't know how to make Tough relationship choices. Tough relationship choices. They can't end the cycle of abuse. Some people don't even have the bravery to step out of an abusive relationship to say, this is not what I want for my life. I'm not doing this anymore. You're always thinking, what will people say? What will people say? Newsflash, if you die, what will people say? How about you think, it, think about it from that standpoint too? Learn to stand up for yourself. Learn to be bold in the direction of the will of God for your life. This is so important. You also need these conversations, all right? If you have not learned to make bold career and ministry decisions career or ministry decisions. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter if God has destined for you to head a conglomerate, an international business. If you're not willing <laughs> to take bold steps, remove the supporting structures, <laughs> you won't grow up. And guess what? It will not happen. It will not happen. It will not happen. This word is for people who, you know, are growing less confident by the day, less assertive by the day, because culture is trying to shut your mouth. Trolls on, on social media are trying to shut your mouth, trying to give you an idea of confidence. I mean, look at it. Was it on last week? Maybe before last week, your dream car was a Ferrari. Someone will buy a Ferrari and the whole world will not hear. She be one day, one man bought three for his three daughters. Not for himself. You have to understand, not for himself, but for his three daughters. Maybe he doesn't even drive a Ferrari to show you that he's way above it. And I saw some people, they still didn't get the point. They, some even had the guts to be saying, Daddy, where were, what were you doing? Daddy, like, is your meat? Don't, don't you understand? Someone else's dream car, another person bought three for his children. If there is any lesson, it's first and foremost contentment. Listen, 
Where your money ends is where another person's money starts. No matter how hard you work. <laughs> you see, that's a man who did that thing. There are some rooms he will enter and he will calm down. <laughs> he, will, he, will, he will be humble. And that's life. Accept your process. Be confident. And let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter how many lessons you learn from me. Oh, devotional diligence, ministerial dedication, humility, exegetical teaching. If you have not learned this culture and this ability to, bra to be brave in the direction of the will of God, you've, not, you've learned very little from me. Let me make a bold statement to you. Everything God has asked me to do, to the best of my knowledge, and by the grace of God, I have done. I have done. There is no word of prophecy, as at this time, no word of prophecy on my life that I'm not doing. It's a bold, it's a bold statement to make. And that's God's plan for all of us. And if you really follow me, follow that example. Follow that example. So, we have a propensity many times. When you're thinking of divine leading, you think of God telling Abraham, leave your kindred, go to a place that I will show you. And you are obsessing over God speaking to you in that way. But here is one thing you need to know. <laughs> There will still be a what next? Maybe that's why you've not even heard explicitly instructions like that. Because there is a consecration problem. God already knows that you won't do it. You, listen, God knew Abraham. He said about Abraham, he said, I know Abraham. He will command his children. Listen, do you know what it means to come to a point in your relationship with God where God can place a bet on you based on the level of your consecration? If I tell Emmanuel Liren, he will do it. Do you know what that means? For God to make that statement about a human being, I know Abraham. He will command his, he will instruct his children. So God knows that there are some instructions for generations that he can only trust some people with. Not everyone has the dedication. Are you with me? Not everyone has the dedication to pass instructions, pass cultures, pass divine templates to the next generation. Not everyone has the concentration for it. Some halfway, they will get distracted. Small success, you know, success has killed many people. Can God count on you? If he says, go to a place that I will show you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? No matter how many materials on supernatural leading you read, it will still amount to this one thing. Are you brave enough? The choir sang one amazing song two weeks ago. The lyric says, you have made me brave. You've called me out of the shores into the waves. That's what God is doing for you this evening. Calling you out of the shores. Calling you out of the shores. You have to deal with every hindrance to bravery. Things like comfort zone. When as a young rich ruler, you see Jesus. And Jesus says, sell all you have and follow me. <laughs> Listen, that guy is many of us. He was acting as if he wanted the will of God. He came to Jesus. Jesus didn't come to him. He came to Jesus. And he was asking, what can I do? What can Listen, Lord, tell me what can I do? Reveal your plan to me. Just give me this instruction. Then the instruction came. <laughs> Sell all you have 
and follow me. The young man reasoned now. He walked away. He was not interested again. You know, someone says, ah, Jesus, why so harsh? What type of instruction is that? You see, it's just because you see Jesus so small. And that's part of the reasons why you're not following his leading for your life. Let me ask you this. As a young entrepreneur, if you go to Otedola or Dangote, and you tell him, mentor me, what can I do? How can I make it in this industry? And he tells you, all your businesses, liquidate it, give it out, come and live with me and follow me. Will you do it or not? <laughs> so the problem is not the instruction. The problem is your perspective of the person. How great he is in your eyes. You read that story of the young rich ruler, and you're like, why? Why so drastic? Why would Jesus say that? But if it was any other billionaire, Mark Zuckerberg says, sell your business. Come walk with me. You will live in my house. You will go everywhere I go. Do you know what it means just to steadily be in the frame when they take his picture? You will jump at it. So the problem was not Jesus or what he said. The problem is your perspective of Jesus. And the reason why you will not leave your comfort zone is because you are trusting so little. You, you, you are not sold, sold out yet. And God is just trying to persuade you. Sometimes he persuades us with small success. He preaches in Peter's boots and watches Peter struggling through the night. And then he just tells him, put your net here. After the great catch. Now the point is, is this what you are struggling for? Now, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That's what he's trying to do for you. That's what he's trying to do for you. Comfort zone. You are too comfortable where you are. Too comfortable. With your 100K job, 150K job, 200K job. And God, God has a bigger plan for you. There's going to be a process to it. Make no mistake. Except the corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. That plan may require sacrifice. Some things will have to die. You have to stop flexing with your friends. Do you know what it means for someone, you know, who has a call to ministry like, like mine, to finish from school and your friends are taking off. They just land the job immediately after school and they have cars. And then you say the Lord has called you. It all makes sense now. That's why if you see what I'm driving, and you are angry, God may punish you. <laughs> he may punish you. You have to be very careful because you were not there. You were not there. You know, just three weeks ago, someone commented how she invited me for a program. She was, she was I remember that day, she was calling, where are you, where? Because she, she was looking for a car. I came on a bike with three-piece suits. Three-piece suits, you know, doors had covered my face. You know, I cleaned the face, still preached, God still moved. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Get off your comfort zone. Another hindrance is the opinion of men. Huh, what will people say? What will people say? What will people say? Many Christians are more concerned about what people will say than what God will say. You've not asked, what will God say? Do you realize you will stand before him at the end of your life? What will people say? What will people say? Many times, we spend what we don't have to impress people who don't really care. What will people say? 
you have to get beyond that. Number three, hindrance to bravery. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. What if I fail? What if I fail? And you see, as a Christian, oh my goodness. You must be more afraid of being out of God's will than failing. I would rather fail following what I thought to be God's plan for my life. Than succeed doing anything else. It's a perspective you must have. So this is the concept of consecration. How sold out to God are you? You care too much. You worry too much. You worry too much. I'm telling you something that is true about my life. If you study me very well, I care very little for what people say. Of course, I care what people say. But if God tells me to do something, oh, <laughs> I know they will understand later. Let me tell you something. The opinion of men is very fickle. Very fickle. Very fickle. The same people, when you follow God, they will change their mind later. They will catch on to it later. Anyway, that has been that has been, that has been portrayed. I want to just touch on this briefly. Two reasons why you must be brave. Two reasons why you must be brave. Number one, future leadings depend on it. Future leadings depend on it. Listen, think about it from the perspective of you know secular education. Secular education. If you don't go through secondary education. You're not going to be able to get to the university. No high school, no college. It's that simple. And some of the smaller instructions in our lives, all right, the bigger instructions are predicated on the success in those instructions. And the more you keep passing out, passing off those opportunities, you disqualify yourself for the bigger ones. So every time you have the opportunity to follow God and you don't, you need to ask yourself this. What am I going to miss out of in the future? Because like I said on Sunday, no matter how eloquent you are, no matter how much Saul believes in you, if David has not killed a bear and a lion, nobody will allow him kill Goliath. Even if he can, nobody will allow him. He will not be allowed. So those small instructions, the bigger ones depend on them. Let me tell you something. These are stories I hardly ever tell. You know, some of you who have followed our ministry long enough know our first venue in Lagos was in Ikotuigbe. And then one day, we had a workers' meeting and I told them that the Lord said, <laughs> I told them that the Lord said, we should move to the heart of Ikeja, Silverbed Cinemas, Ikeja City Mall. You know, in fact, someone confessed to me that he and two other people, they already gossiped that we believe pastor. We know he's going to fail. <laughs> but we'll just follow him. And then when it fails, we'll come back. We'll come back to a court. <laughs> you know. But long and short, just to put things in perspective, what we were paying as rent for the whole year in Nicotun, we were now beginning to pay for a quarter where we were going. Let me put it in to better perspective. What we're paying for a whole year, Sundays and midweek service, we're going to pay per quarter for only Sundays. And not even for only Sundays. If I say only Sundays, you would think from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. For, you know, anything we're supposed to do, 12 on the dot, you're out of there. 
you know, and it looked crazy. And someone is like, oh, that's brave. How were you able to do that? The reason is simple. It was like David, the lion and the bear of the past gave me the audacity to face Goliath. It's that simple. So there were smaller, smaller instructions that God had given us in the past. I remember we were printing devotionals um, when I was in, still an undergraduate. And I, at about the time I graduated, the Lord said we should print 10,000 devotionals and give them out free. <laughs> Talk about a crazy move. And we did. We gave it out free. See, my life changed. Listen, there are some instructions you obey, all right, and as difficult as they are, it's like it promotes you. It promotes you. Now, there are some challenges you will face, and you know you've conquered something like this before. You've conquered something like this before. It's so important. Then, you know, I was talking to someone. Oh, brother, Xavier Stachez. And the Lord told me, you know, to plant a church temp temporarily somewhere. He told me Bell's University had no church. So, and the Lord told me clearly, you know, prophetically, there is um, a hotel that has an event center just beside that university. He said, take that hall, pay for that hall, and use it to minister to the young people in that university. So we went confidently, you know, as people that the Lord has spoken to, to the hotel, and we negotiated. What didn't we say? We are a young fellowship. All those things you, you use to reduce the price. We are a young fellowship. We are just starting. We just want to do it for the gospel. We want to do it. Even the people who are coming, they are undergraduates. They didn't hear. They said we will pay 85,000 naira per service. And so we did. We did it the first week. Did it the second week. After two weeks, we went to meet them to renegotiate again. They were magnanimous enough, you know, to allow us do 50,000 per service. So we did that, you know, and I think we were there one or two months, I think one month, you know, and after that, we just blessed everybody, said, um, if you want, if you want to continue being blessed, come to God, <laughs> you know, and all of that. I did not know that God was preparing us for the move to Ikeja years later. So when I went and I divided, you know, how much we were supposed to pay per Sunday, and I saw it came to about 50000 Guess what? About two years before, as a fresh graduate from the university, God had helped us to pay this, even though it was for one month. Now, we can do it. We can do it. Let me tell you something. Let me be open to you. If God had not instructed us to plant that campus church temporarily in Bells, we might never have been able, we might have never had the guts to move to Ikeja. So he, he tested the waters for us. Listen, I'm telling you categorically, every instruction that you refuse to obey will hinder you from bigger instructions in the future. Carry your cross now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Carry your cross now and follow God. Number two reasons why you must be brave. Number two reasons why you must be brave is because fear obstructs discernment. <laughs> fear obstructs discernment. Can I tell you something? If you are afraid, you will not hear audacious leadings. Not because God is not speaking to you, but if God should tell you clearly like this, you still won't hear. You are too, you are too afraid to consider it. Leave your job, go where? Travel to another city? Start ministry? Follow me? Trust me? All those things. He won't hear it. He will speak to you. You won't hear it. It will, I mean... Your discernment will be limited by fear. 
Because it takes a certain level of audacity and consecration to be able to take whatever it is that God wants to say to you. To be able to say confidently, whatever God wants me to do, it will be done. It will hinder you. As I round off, I want to round off with this simple subheading. How to handle fear. How to handle fear. Number one, you handle fear with preparation. Handle fear with preparation. God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17 like I read. He says, therefore prepare yourself and arise. Can I tell you something? If you are afraid, you very likely have not mastered it. All right. Fear sometimes reveals lack of preparation. Let me tell you this. If you have stage fright to address an audience, it might also be because you have not mastered the material. Because if they ask you to come and recite 1 to 10, chances are that you're going to do it without fear. There is something about knowing that what they are asking you to do, you have mastered it, you know, that gives you a certain level of confidence. Every time you prepare, every time you invest to improve yourself, guess what? The fear would dissipate. The fear would anything that you can do very well, you are likely to be, you are unlikely to be afraid to do. So prepare. Prepare some more. Prepare some more. You say, God has called you to ministry. You are afraid to start. Prepare some more. Prepare some more. If you, I mean, <laughs> if you have grown into it, you will not be afraid. Number two way to handle fear is service. 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 Service is such a great platform where God mentors us in the school of bravery. The principle is simple, simple, simply this. He that is faithful in little is faithful in much. He who is not faithful in another man's, who will commit to him his own. This is something that this generation needs to learn. Service prepares you for destiny. Many times if you see a man who is, not, who is not confident to do what God has asked him to do, it's because he has not served. Because can I tell you something? If you have poured water on the hands of Elijah, when it is time to part the Jordan, he will part the Jordan. Because you saw him do it. Right before he was taken up, he parted the Jordan in your presence. So now he's taken up on your way back. You can do the same. There is something, it's, I've told you before, is a rule in the spirit. Everything you watch someone do, it opens up in your spirit the possibility, the audacity to do the same. In such a way that as Saul, without going through any school of prophets, if you find yourself in the company of prophets, you will prophesy. Service is God's strategy for preparing the next generation. Everything God has asked you to do and you're afraid to do, serve. If you will serve, you will do it. All right? If you will serve, you will have it done. Please and please take this seriously. All right? Take this seriously. This is God's plan for your life. Listen, I sense in my spirit, all right, that destinies are given direction given direction, direction by the Spirit. He has made you brave. He has called you out of the shores into the waves. It takes bravery to walk on water. You're going to have the audacity to stand up and leave others in the boat. Step out of your comfort zone. Raise your hand, your leg beyond the boat.
put your leg on the water, you're going to have to take steps. Take steps. Number three way to handle fear. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. Before you expect the miraculous, do all that you can do. Yes, you expect capital for the business, but you can afford to register it. Register it. You expect capital for the business, but it doesn't take capital to, st- to come up with a name for the business. It doesn't take capital. You can afford to research on it. Take baby steps. Take baby steps. Many times, as you take those steps, and only if you take those steps, then the miraculous hand of God will take it from there. Listen, I sense very strongly alright, that as I pray now, everyone under the sound of my voice will receive a surge by the Spirit to do all that God has destined them to do. Listen, don't don't you realize in our realm, bravery doesn't just come by pep talk. It doesn't just come, alright, by self-talk and motivation. There is a provision in the spirit by which bravery can be injected into you. That the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that they were filled with the spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. There was something about the spirit that made people who were hitherto timid to have the boldness and the audacity to face people and preach the gospel. So thank God for the mental fortitude and preparation that we've been talking about. But you have to understand that there is is an avenue for the Spirit to aid you and make you bold. Get ready right now. You've made me brave. You've made me brave. You've called me out of shadows. Sing to the waves. Come on. He has made you brave. I want you to declare this with confidence. Lift your hands wherever you are. Say, God, you've made me brave. You've delivered me from my fear. You've taken away the fear from my heart. You've made me brave. You've called me out beyond the shores into the waves. Nothing can handle, nothing can hinder all the promises you've made. No fear can hinder all the promises you've made. I want to give you a few minutes to declare it. Something is happening right now. Listen. Now, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Whatever it is that requires bravery, the grace is coming on you strong. The Bible says, as they prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaking. And they were filled with the spirit and with boldness. I prophesy a shaking in your heart. A shaking that is ejecting every fear. Every hesitation. Every pessimistic attitude. Every doubt. Everything that makes you so change yourself. to, to, To doubt yourself. To doubt God's call on your life. There is a shaking within you. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The fear dissipates. The fear is ejected. The anointing of the Holy Ghost has made you brave. You receive strength right now to make that decision in your relationship, in your career, in ministry. For the Lord says 
that he has made this local church an army of brave people. An army of brave hearts. And so in the name of Jesus, I prophesy, go and move forward. Rise up and be counted. The doubt is, this is disappearing right now. The Spirit of God has made you brave. Oh, receive wherever you are. Receive right now. Matalabaya. It's a deliverance from fear. Matalabate. He has made you brave. He has made you brave. Kalamaya. The Bible says that God stretched his hand, touched the mouth of Jeremiah, and he said, Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed by their faces. Don't say you are too young. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.